0: podcaster I hardly know her
1: (laughs) welcome to the I hardly know her podcast hosted by me Megan McCaleb if there's one thing I've learned in this life it's that I still have a lot to learn this podcast is your invitation to expand your understanding on all sorts of topics and shake things up a little bit listen in and learn something new from the stories professional insights and a wide range of expertise shared by me and my incredible guests and remember my friends, you don't have to be a big deal to do big things. Welcome back my friends uh, to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. My name is Megan mccaleb I appreciate you guys tuning in and being part of these conversations where we are learning from really cool people, expanding our understanding about different tools, resources, concepts that are really in the world all around us and when we can tap into the knowledge the expertise, and the passion that people have for other topics, it can really help us to enhance our lives. And I suspect today will be no different because our guest today is an expert in the space of storytelling, which I uh, go nutty for because it is such an important tool in how we can connect and relate to each other and honestly really dive into understanding who we are and why we are the way that we Exist, you know, what makes us unique and has formed our opinions and viewpoints and all these different things. So, uh, our guest today um, is an author, a speaker, and a coach on storytelling and community. Carol has taught over 250,000 people how to tell their unique stories. So, welcome to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. This is Carol Baresh, and I'm really excited to have you here. Um, Just Give me, give me a little launching point here of like, when did you realize you loved storytelling? So thank you, Megan. I'm really excited. In
0: 2008, in the fall of 2008, both my daughters left home, the middle one for college and the younger one for boarding school. And life as I had known it for as long as I could remember, just everything changed and I was very, very jumpy. I had like so much energy. It was like I was gonna drill a hole through the ceiling. And one day it just all exploded. And I had what you would now, I now call a panic attack, but it was really just this very visceral physical thing. The room was spinning. If you've Mm -hmm. ever had one, you know what it is. Mm -hmm. And I went to talk to a friend who's a psychiatrist. And he said, that was a panic attack. I could give you medicine. But this has never happened to you before, right? I said, no. And he said, so this is your system trying to teach you something. There's something here you're supposed to learn. What is Mm -hmm. it? And I just broke down. I just started crying. And I said, you know, when I left for college, I put all the really hard things that had happened to me as a child, I put them, I locked them away in a box. I tucked that box away and I swore I was never going to open it. I was just going to start over. But it's like, it's spilling out. And then he said, the thing that has made everything since 2008 different, he said, lots of people have boxes of things they tuck away.
1: Mm.
0: And you're not that little Carol with those stories in the box. You're, you're an adult, you, um, you can look at those, go back to those stories and look at them not just as Carol the character, but as the narrator of, of what, what happened to everyone, mm-hmm. what people, and he said, then he said, you know, you're a writer, you're an author, you're a teacher. If you figure that out for yourself and then figure it out for, for other people, a lot of people have boxes that they don't open that have the key to who they really are. And so figure it out for you and then teach it to other people.
1: Mm. Okay. So you're already writing and doing these things before you have this epiphany of your own story. I'm
0: writing, I'm teaching. I, you know, I think lots of people look at my resume and say like in 2008, I'd done a ton of things and mostly I had three amazing children and you know, yeah. <laughs> like a great marriage, just a lot of great things, gra- gratitude. But there was this part of me that was scary and hard Mm. And that just unlocked another level of giving, another mm. level of being in the universe in service of other people. And I Ooh. think to the extent that I could get that out, and there's always more like there's more forgiveness, there's more, oh, that was scary and it might have happened yesterday. But the storytelling story for me is a verb, it's a process. It's not a thing you get right and then you, you know, make it like um, pasta. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a process. It's a practice. And it's just changed the way I look at everything,
1: you know? Oh, That's- yeah. I bet. And you already kind of jumped to that, that like when you start unpacking these things, it's just new layers. There's additional gifts that you're able to serve with. How, how, how did that start to shift your ability to serve your students? And as you just said, you're seeing things differently. In what way did this help you to honor the process of teaching other people on this journey.
0: So I'm just, I'm going to put a little trigger warning here around sexual assault. Okay. And when I was raped the summer before fourth grade, mm. I thought I was peed on. Like I had no concept. I was like an eight-year-old little girl. And I, I don't know if anybody else understood what I was trying to tell them. What I took away was that nobody could help me but myself mm-hmm. and that I, I, I had this kind of vigilance. Like this person like, was a neighbor and a friend of the family. And mm-hmm. I just had to organize my life so I didn't get hurt again. And um, when I started to, ex- I, that, that was the panic attack was mm. just like this was pushing out this younger this little girl had a story she had to tell, and you know I, like all of you there who are hearing the story, you don't have to do anything like I worked it through, I forgave the person, I forgave all the people um but that was really holding me back i couldn't i i was scared to death to speak in public unless it was all written out and scripted mm. um I I didn't like to talk about myself except except these very, you know, very well-scripted ways. Mm -hmm. And I I wasn't authentic and spontaneous. Like, I was just afraid to show up and be myself. And that's really what's possible. And I do think a lot of people long for that. And a lot of people long to um, be able to share the things that have shaped them that Mm -hmm. are complicated. I think Mm -hmm. that's the thing. you know, if if I could give one thing to lots of people, it's that. It's like ways to share the experiences that have shaped you as who you really are.
1: Mm. Oh man, that's so deep. Thank you for sharing that story. And I would love to explore a little bit, like especially in these past few years, a lot of our connections have been online, and even the producer of this podcast, Jeanette, um, has experienced your coaching and guidance. What are you noticed? I mean, are there shifts in recent years? Are people wanting to share more? Is there more freedom in sharing? Is there still a lot of resistance? Like, what is the space around story sharing, especially in like such a traumatic global season we've experienced?
0: (laughs) So I do think that storytelling helps us to process our grief. I mean, I think the thing that we learned, you know, COVID's not over, Mm -hmm. the the broken down systems, you know, there are many of them uh, that just um, antiquated systems that we need to work collectively to, to create the next thing. Like the old systems just don't work. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: um, we all need to tap into our our teeny little bit of genius to collectively create this new possibility. Mm. And I think being real and authentic about who we are, you know, for, for years and years, I knew that I was what's now called they, them that I was in this space that I couldn't talk to people about because everybody thought I was weird. Mm. and it, I, It's just, I have to, there's, there's people suffering because they're in that in-between space. There's people, I mean, just this week, someone was killed because she had a pride flag. I, um, it. it's, it's, I feel we, I need to be the most complex version of me mm-hmm. and I invite everybody else to be the most complex version of them and I'll listen and I'll, I'll, I'll hold a space for your becoming. I think that's the, that was my big takeaway from COVID. Is there's just all sorts of stuff we need that we don't get in what are considered ordinary times. And we're still in extraordinary times. Like just so much it's pain, annoying. so much, you know, broken, racism. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I, there's just a lot in this country that, that needs, love and tending and repair.
1: I definitely agree. Yeah, that is so, so, so huge. Now you are serving at a high high volume, high capacity with a lot of people coming through your programs. Are people really looking to share their story in like a professional capacity or is it really for like that personal processing that we've kind of been talking about on that like individualized basis? I mean, I'm sure it's probably both, but what would you feel like uh, is, the, is the core of why people are like, I need to share my story. Megan, I think that's a million dollar question
0: because what, what draws most people in is, you know, they want to tell a better story to get something that they mm. believe they deserve or that they, they want. And a different story, a better story, a more succinct and powerful story will, will enable them to get that thing. But then, mm-hmm. you know, my job, our job is to show them that it's not a one and done. Okay, mm-hmm. this story opens this door and happy to help you open that door. Let's open as many doors as possible for as many people as possible. But then there's another door. And also you can teach the person who's, who you're mentoring or the person on your team. Mm-hmm. like it, it It's not like my story, my truth, one and done. There's an infinite number of moments in your life and and you can share them. You can turn anything into a story. And I think that's when it really gets fun is that people mm-hmm. feel safe to talk about things they don't usually talk about because we're so forced to like tell these scripts that are prescribed mm-hmm. by the world and by school and you know, and there's just so much more that's interesting just below the surface of those prescribed, I call them scripts. Like a story is fluid and changing. A script is a thing that like lots of people can say. Uh, So I don't know if that answered your question, but I think COVID just opened a lot of us to the need to like do better and be better and just continuously becoming so that we could deal with all of these complexities.
1: Mm, Yeah, agreed. And I love what you're saying, too, about how it just opens up like what's next and there's a a general vibe in the improv space which you're I know you're familiar with improv and as you mentioned uh, before we started recording that you've got uh, some offspring who are involved with improv including a professional improviser and there's a a space or a mentality in there of like well if this is true then what else is true and it does start like a domino effect of like unpacking things um (laughs) I love I love that and I kind of hate it like I remember feeling like in the personal development space it's like oh no like once you start you can't stop there just keeps you know it keeps going and keeps unfolding and um, it's both a a well mostly a blessing sometimes can be at least for me a little bit of overwhelm of just like wow there just is forever and ever depth to humanity and our individual experiences that can kind of seem overwhelming at times but so much freedom in allowing that journey to begin really
0: I just think you the life of a human is not a straight line. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when I was younger, like I wanted to push through things and get them done and get them done my way. And you just, you can't force a bud to be a flower. Like mm. just The most important things have a, a time and a space and a, a way that you need to honor. And so I think that's really... um. No, that's, that's, that's the, the biggest change that, that COVID accelerated for me and mm. changed my relationship to storytelling because the most important thing isn't, I mean, the individual stories are essential. If You don't yeah. have that, you don't have anything, but you can use the science of storytelling, the way storytelling works in your brain to build more equitable communities. And once I saw that, like that's what Jeanette participated in. That was mm. like, that is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life is to have these shared agreements. You know, you're not correcting other people. You're not giving them advice. You know, mm. you're not, ju- they just, all that stuff is out here in the world. that's not storytelling. And here we're creating a safe space where people can tell their stories and you can ask them questions about their stories. And that's, that's the mm. whole thing. And that unfolding—it's not always easy. Like most of the best things in life aren't easy. Mm-hmm. You know, you can giving birth is not easy. Moving to a new place to, for a new opportunity is not easy. There's lots of things that aren't easy. And I think storytelling um, creates a kind of rhythm for the this, this continuous change. It, it mm-hmm. gives you a, a safe way to share the stories of where you're going as well as the stories of where you come
1: from. Mm, That's so good. Okay, I want you to walk me through a little bit, like uh, you're you're alluding to like the safe space that's being created in the community and the sharing and the non-judgment and like the really hearing each other, right? Uh, I want you to unpack that process a little bit more. Like what type, of, what type of a timeline are we looking at before people feel like they can be comfortable in expressing themselves? I guess first and foremost, is this something that is rather quick or is it like weeks through this so process? It is, it is actually fast and simple, but let me go back to the science
0: okay. of storytelling. The neuros, I think the neuroscience of storytelling, what we do is very experiential. And you can get the, you can experience how story works in your brain just easily. And then you understand what what you're going after. Uh, so the place storytelling resides in your brain. And when you tell a story or you listen to a story or you watch a story, three things happen at once. Your memories are activated the emotions associated with those memories come alive and you wanna take action. The thing that makes storytelling so powerful is this drive to act. It combines combines executive reasoning and compassion to give you the courage to do new things. So you inspire yourself and then the person who listens to your story, this is called mental mirroring, the exact same three three things happen in their brain, their memories, their emotions, and they wanna act. That's why great leaders tell great stories, because mm-hmm. you're inspiring other people based not on your experience, but based on their experience. You're telling a story that's so human that it taps into like something in everyone. Mental mirroring, Like think about it. You're thinking about something now based on what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but you and I have never been together before. <laughs> We've never done anything, but our brains form a community based on, you know, I've got this shared with you and that shared with Jeanette and this other thing shared with your your audience. And that space, that collective space, which is like all of us and none of us is right there in your brain. Mm. So once you realize how to communicate, you based on neuroscience, which by the way, everything you've ever learned in school has tried to erase it. it it's It's what school teaches is based in analysis and right or wrong and interpretation. I sometimes mm. say I'm a recovering critic, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, that, that you're not taught in school how to tap into that mind of storytelling, which connects you with everyone. But yeah. once, it, once you feel it, once you feel it, somebody else, like their stories just awaken all these things and you just weren't paying attention, always there. So that's the the short answer to your question. Is it can be taught really quickly experientially? Uh It's not book learning. It's you listen to somebody's story, you tell your story. We teach that core lesson in three minutes.
1: Oh yeah, I love that because we all need. We are fast paced. Oh my god! Oh my god! (laughs) We want solutions yesterday. So that's
0: (laughs) that's yeah. And you can't teach like millions of
1: people slow. It would be yeah. nice, but it's not mm-hmm. possible, totally. Um, so what are when people go through these processes? Oh I have like twelve questions. I'm like, well, this, how much time do we have? You know, um when people do go through this process, what is something that you see as like, I mean, how does this benefit people long term? There's some things I feel like are kind of obvious for me. I want to hear, like, from your vast pool of people who have experienced this, what is this long-term benefit to their lifestyle, to the individual experience that they have once they have kind of entered this realm?
0: The long-term benefit is you can see situations from multiple points of view. And you can see how your own actions influence other people for Mm -hmm. good and for bad. And then, you know, <laughs> the changing yourself part is not the easy part, but you, it, but you got to know before you can change anything. So this uh, quality of relationships, I think this is, this is the big win. And, you know, just pe- people are really different one from the other. And we all grow up in families and cultures and The ability to like really tap into other people's experience and really just ask questions that allow them to share what is unique to them based Mm -hmm. on their lived experience, you know, their family multiple generations back there. You know, we come from this very complex chain of complex human beings Mm -hmm. and just I think being able to listen to more people and just with, like with more depth and more history and and like just give yourself more grace. I didn't even know what that word meant when I started this. But, mm. you know, in in Judaism, which is where my family, you know, puts their hat when they're asking for stuff. Um, grace is like God's face shining on you. So to give somebody grace is to like, look at them like the universe looks at them. Mm. And that you can't just like do that by clicking your fingers. You got to see their world and you got to see when you mess up their world. Um, I find that infinitely exciting. Like I'm Mm -hmm. a little short of breath because I know I like, I can be harsh. I can be fast. I can be bossy. I'm a CEO, but I also I want to learn how to love people better, and storytelling has really like opened that up, and I, I, it can open it up for everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I just I really believe that, and I've seen it. I've seen it. The big win is relationships improved relationships.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a question for you that is actually piggybacking off of a question I get a lot in the improv space because once people learn the difference between yes and versus yeah, but. They, which, uh, as you know, and my listeners hear me talk about this all the time, but yes, and is like the acceptance, the acknowledgement, the building, the growing, the expanding, seeing what's possible. And the yeah, but is the blocking, the negative, the worst case scenario, the yeah, right. Um, And so sometimes a very common question that I get is what do we do about the yeah butters in our life? who are not yet awakened to the simplicity and the magic of yes. And, and like they they, people will get frustrated when they're like, they see these transformational tools and they're wanting to be expressive and free and feel all these things. And then they've got the people that are kind of the wet socks in, in life that are holding back. <laughs> progress. So as it sounds so simple that you're like, everyone can do this. What do we do, Carol? To invite more people in the space who maybe are not yet willing <laughs> or
0: aware. I, I think the first thing is we have to inspire people. Like the first, we have to do it ourselves on yeah. a bad day in a hard situation. You know, first hold ourselves accountable.
1: And mm-hmm. then, you
0: know, the thing about but, but is just a really, it's, it's a bad, it's a, it's a word that takes the air out of anything because the brain mm-hmm. doesn't understand but. So the thing you say after but. You know, it's, it's as if it's true. Like it's just, you know, so it gives a lot of weight to, um, yeah, but it's a bad word. Uh, mm-hmm. but I think that the, the big part of your question is not about the word, but, and there's some other, you know, words that don't show up in storytelling. No, never, no, always. Cause things happen once. They don't happen. Never, or always, where's never, where's always,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, mm-hmm. So, but the the big part of your question is how do you draw people in to these better ways of communicating, these ways of communicating that build community, build authentic community better and faster. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you and I are both in that, that business as it were, Mm -hmm. and you, you demonstrate it, you know, you get the people who like love it. Right. And you really empower them to, to teach other people. Like, I think we need to be very generous with our teaching. And if, mm. if I teach someone and they teach someone else, like that Jeanette invited me here, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm going to be like touched. I'm so touched, so touched. But that's It's like inspire people to want to help other people. I think that's it. Not to, you know, of course you're studying. Of course you have your things you always think, but there's this whole other world you can get to.
1: Mm. Oh my gosh. So true. What are some of the um, either expected or maybe the unexpected results or transformations that people share with you when they are on the journey in your space and beyond?
0: So the most exciting thing, really the most exciting thing for me is when someone has a story that's really important to them and they just don't know how to tell it. Hmm. And you give them the tools to tell it, and suddenly, they're just their life really changes. So one person becomes a TED speaker, another person talks, you know, about being a, at, at the UN about being a refugee. I mean, just people who have really emotionally powerful experiences, and they just don't know. They don't even. A lot of people don't even think, well, maybe I shouldn't share this thing. For whatever reason, they're silencing themselves. And I think that's the enabling other people to be their their biggest, boldest, most inspiring selves. So that's the, you know, we have a rule that we don't tell other people's stories. Um, and, And I, so I hold a lot of stuff that I don't share, but people have huge, huge shifts in how they see the world when they start sharing the things they don't usually share. Like, Mm. what's the big question? Like, what's the most important thing most people don't know about you? Like, ask that question. Mm -hmm. Like, on a date, for instance. It'll go a long ways. And then, you know, that because we all have these things. You know, I, I think that's really... the the possibility of bringing those things to other people. And I think we hold it back because we think we're not supposed to, or we're afraid it's not important enough, or I don't even know why. But once someone starts doing, and and then magic happens, like Mm. the one person to get off the waiting list into medical school, you know, magic starts happening when you trust, you trust that, you're supposed to be somewhere and you're supposed to be yourself and you're supposed to do the, the thing that you're trying to do. It might take Mm -hmm. longer. It might take a different route. Um, but I think trusting your stories, trusting your past is also about trusting yourself to build the future.
1: Ooh, yeah. Ooh, that's yummy. (laughs) (laughs) Trust is a huge thing and especially bringing it into your core space. Some of the stories that I share, uh, are things that like I held quiet for so long because of shame and fear. And in some cases being told that I shouldn't share, uh, my listeners uh, and people that are in my space know I have, I have an adoption story that I got pregnant in high school and hid the pregnancy. Cause I was a scared Mormon girl <laughs> that I was going to get in huge trouble and that I was going to be a burden. Right. And, and then ultimately placed that child for adoption. And I made that choice. And then years and years later, I mean, I I could feel that I was carrying something, you know, and then finally shared it and was like, whatever, it's going to be what it's going to be. Hopefully it helps someone. It turned out to help me the most to unburden my energy from this looming thing. And then it did unfold to be something that was, yeah, I mean, it definitely had judgment. People definitely wanted to say their opinion on things. (laughs) And other people were like, whoa, I can't believe you shared that which really brought a lot of clarity into what, you know, work I do now with helping people really find freedom in expressing those things that are, are perceived labels or those judgment areas. And um, anyway, I feel like there's just so much beauty that can come from that. And I I can't even imagine like the just ongoing gift that it keeps giving you to see people uh, relieving themselves of these, Burdens and finding out that they're really not burdens; they're just a pu- like a beautiful part of our individual journeys and things that we can re reassign them instead of these aren't burdens. These are really magical human elements.
0: Yeah. So I had the other half of your teenage experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I don't know if you've read my medium.
1: I read a little bit of information about you. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping to pull a little bit of this out of you. And so when I was
0: when I was sixteen just a few months after my father died, um, I got pregnant and that was back at a time when it was very expensive and hard to do. And I was in a state where you couldn't do it. Mm. And I had talked to my boyfriend and like we were kids and neither of us was ready to have a kid at that time. And the, the price of having, you know, going out of state and having an abortion mm-hmm. was my mother would help me, but I, I wasn't allowed to talk to my boyfriend anymore ever again. Mm. And he, even in his really dark, depressed days, I didn't have the courage to talk to him. That's why mm. I think one of my shame is not about the abortion. My shame is not being available to him because I was so scared of my mom. Mm. And um, I still feel I still carry around the 16 year old girl who had the baby. Like, mm-hmm. I just think whatever you choose, there's another choice. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's like the both and I think of living in a female body. And mm-hmm. that's why we all have to make our own choices because there's no magic perfect for everyone around mm-hmm. life and choices, like if science can do something safely, then the person who's most involved should be able to make the choice. And, but I really, I really feel in my body that there's also that person who is a 16 year old who has a child. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I try to make sure we have the services in place to help that young woman and her baby thrive, Mm
1: -hmm. you know,
0: with or without the person who is, is the, the father of the baby. Like, I just think it's a lot of complicated things that we haven't solved for. and Absolutely. But the choice that you and I both had, like just connects us with, so. when you tell that particular story, it just connects you with so many other people.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I never really meant for it to be part of like my professional keynote when I would be in talking about improv in the workplace. And when I finally shared those two together, because of what I learned, you know, sharing about my adoption story in any room I've ever shared it. I hear so many stories afterward from every other angle that, but from all types, I mean, from everyone, from um, the decision standpoint of the fact that we all needed to do the, what we thought was right for us. And it's still better case scenario, even if we don't agree with the different decisions to allow each other to make our decisions for ourselves. Cause I've also seen and heard the horror stories of, people who were forced or coerced to do a decision that they didn't want to do. And uh, we just don't, we shouldn't be playing with that kind of power and control over each other. So I really appreciate you letting me like pull you into that space because this conversation is one that almost everybody I've ever encountered either has an experience directly or knows an immediate family or friend, like, it's, it's that close. It's that big of a subject matter that it can then level the playing field of like, okay, well, we all know that this is a subject that's pretty divisive and has a lot of different feelings and and opinions. And so if we can tackle this one with a more broad approach, then now we can start looking at progress that we can make on the other really difficult things that plague our society, but uh, there's just a lot of different layers there. And You and I are a
0: both-and, you know? Mm -hmm. You and I are like two parts of the both-and.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing. I I always look forward to conversations with folks where this comes up because that's definitely when I get, like, private messages about people or from people who honestly are itching to share. So many people who have never told anyone that they uh, like say, no matter what, they never told anybody that it was an unplanned pregnancy and they chose to parent. They don't, they act like that was part of the plan. You know, there's always some sort of twist that they're putting on their facade to make sure it looks the way that, like you said earlier, that we're scripting it, that we're making it societally acceptable and that we, anytime we can remove that layer of, um, just the, the, the hiding it, the shame and however that is showing up, it's just ugh, so connecting. If you
0: think back, you know, like five generations or something, mm-hmm. um, there's just must be so much of this um, anguish, just so mm-hmm. much of this shame and um, loneliness and things like, what in the world can I do? Mm-hmm and think about those generations like the, gets to us like I, i've done some research there's some secrets in my family that are like not people weren't good to one another mm. and i i think we need to be honest about like all of that stuff mm-hmm. like we have these happily ever after you know kind of pollyanna stories about family and this and that and it's supposed mm-hmm. to go that way but it does it often doesn't it, right you know, we're humans and we make mistakes. And uh, yeah, I think all my mistakes try to, I try to stay humble about like all the things I still need to work on all the ways I'm still a a work in progress.
1: Oh yeah. They're brutal reminders. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, can I just have a little break for a hot minute of all of this? Um, So I, I know that the conversations like this get the wheels turning of listeners out there. So if anyone is, they have a story and they've never shared it yet with anyone. I mean, I'm amazed sometimes that people in their late forties, fifties, even some, so I talked to a gal not that long ago that was in her sixties and there was a story she had never shared with someone until we were on a phone call. Cause I do some public speaking coaching. And I'm like, this woman has been carrying this for so long. So for those listeners out there who are like, Oh my gosh, you know, what if I, what if I share and I regret it or whatever, have you ever Carol in your entire Space of coaching storytelling ever had someone share a story and they regretted it, that they wish they could have retracted it and that they never went down that path? No.
0: I think sometimes people regret telling certain stories to certain audiences. Ooh, okay. But the first step is to tell the story to yourself. Mm. Then you can decide what you want to do with it. I think that the excavating your stories and being loving to the person who's been hiding things and telling her I'm going to, you know, you're the narrator, you're the character and the narrator. You're help, I'm helping you coax this stuff out to a place where you can decide what to do it, with it. You can yeah. decide how you want these stories to be in your present and your future. I think I, I, I myself uh, can be impetuous. And a couple times I told stories like before they were ready for prime time. Mm -hmm. But that Mm -hmm. wasn't about the story that was about, you know, just being a CEO and needing to just be very careful because I'm responsible for a lot of people when I'm teaching storytelling. Yeah. So I think that that responsibility uh, I would say if somebody's out there and wants to know how to tell their story or just like, just curious story, curious, uh, I do a free storytelling masterclass every month. You can find information uh, on Instagram or my website. I'm Carol Barish everywhere, um,
1: and in the I, show know, notes, we'll make sure it's right. Yeah, here yeah on yeah. the show notes yeah, yeah. too.
0: So, so you can <laughs> find me, and people send me notes, you know, on Instagram like all the time. And I've I've had you know I had a career as a professor, and I published. Mm-hmm. Oxford University Press, and people still write me about that, and they find me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So, like, just ask me, ask me anything. Mm -hmm. And if you want to start working on a really simple, you know, the moments method—a really simple way to tell your stories and to to help other people tell their stories—then just follow me on Instagram and come to the masterclass. I think that's the best thing. And if you're curious for me to teach a group you're a part of. I mean, I, I do a lot of, you know, coaching group coaching. I think my, my great strength is one to many. And Mm -hmm. so churches, synagogues, schools, community organizations, businesses, you know, I've, I've done this at MasterCard and Johnson and Johnson and Yale and the city university of New York. Like there's just, you know, there's a lot of places and I, I
1: invite me. I'll say yes. I love that. In the group setting, are they still diving into their personal stories? I mean, are they sharing them with the peer group or are these yeah, yeah. so things? we break
0: into we break into small groups by tables or you know and Ooh. you must know this like, like everybody starts somewhere with a new skill set. Like yeah. when I first started improv I, yes, I have taken improv and at first it was so weird because all I could do was like animal sounds. Like the only thing I could get out was animals. Oh my gosh! And I now I've written. I just wrote a story about my my love of horses and myself as a horse. It's very like the boundaries are very fluid and it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. But I think in improv I was getting to this Carol horsey girl story years mm-hmm. ago. You know, more than a decade ago. Uh, so I just start somewhere. You know, start with somebody that. Also, if you're really too scared to tell your own story, you could ask somebody else to tell a story to you. Like, you tell me a story, I'll tell you a story.
1: I love um, that. Yeah. Well, so there maybe aren't deep, dig, digging all the way to like the deep depths. No, I, I've never, I've never met somebody who
0: regrets having learned to tell their stories. Sure. I've, just, I've never, I, like, I don't, even, and I don't think I will meet them because your brain. Yeah. The thing about storytelling is stories are a tonic to the brain. Mm
1: -hmm. So even
0: stories about hard things are soothing. Mm -hmm. That's why you could, if, if you, you know, suspend all those judgments and criticisms and fixing, nothing's broken. This is your life. It's not broken. Mm. It's it. You are where you are because you're here. Uh, so so once you suspend those things, your your brain knows what to do. Stories are a tonic to the brain. That's what I, that's I think that's the best and simplest answer to this question.
1: Oh, absolutely, I love it. And I I do think I I mean there's been some mi- mild adjustments I've made with how I do improv stuff in the workplace because I would do some things that I would take people down like memory lane to some degree, and I didn't realize that I was sort of accidentally triggering people from time to time uh, because yeah yeah. You know, you, so I'm like, ooh, you got it, uh, but now yeah, business, I now I know business better. Business settings, yes. Parameters, sorry, I interrupted yeah, you, but business settings you yeah. got to be like really careful <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I'm sure you're much more graceful and probably caught on a little. Whatever. As soon as I knew that, I was like, oh, I'm gonna modify that certain activity <laughs> to uh, not be in the uh, with the corporate executives all sitting there going, what? Like, why am I crying in front of this room now? Anyway. We all learn and grow in our craft, for sure. We do. We're all works in progress, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) I love it. So yes, you have heard it here that there is – I think it's amazing that you have an ongoing, available, once-per-month masterclass that is totally free for people to dip their toe in, at the very least. And I would imagine that once uh, this kind of unleashes something inside them – Um, like, does your continued coaching space or different types of things help them understand then like, okay, when is the right time to share and who is the right audience? And like some of those elements. It's it's really, the
0: masterclass is, is really a series of three masterclasses. And the first one is about finding your stories. Uh The second one is how to tell a story in a really concise way that allows you to like organize it and share it. And then the third is all about audience. And how you adjust right. the details of a story to work with different audiences, inspire different audiences. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Very fantastic. All right. We're on the home stretch here. I'm curious if there's like, what are you just feeling super pumped about in life right now? Like, what is lighting your fire these days? So, um, well, like both of my daughters are getting married this year.
0: Like it it doesn't get better than that. And I have three kids who have three amazing partners, like just really great life partners. I think that is, uh, when I was having that abortion when I was 16, I did tell the universe that I would go on and have children and Mm
1: -hmm. I've been
0: really gifted with just like three amazing humans. Mm -hmm. I didn't completely mess them up. So there's that. That's 2023 is the year of the weddings. Wow. Um, For me, you know, when my, the day before my father died, he told me he wanted me to finish the book that he'd been writing. Ooh. And I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was 16 and I'm like, no, no, you're going to get better. And he just winked. He said, well, if I don't, I want you to finish it. I finished it when I was a senior in college. I finished it when um, my kids were babies. And I finished it a third time when my kids were the age, like, were teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I just never, none of those books I thought was ready to publish. And I feel now like I'm really an elder. You know, I'm like Auntie Carol. I'm queer mm-hmm. Auntie Carol. I'm a grandmother. Mm-hmm. I love being a grandmother. That's the other thing. Like I love that more than anything on the planet. But I'm I'm just like those things my father gave me, those lessons he gave me and that love he gave me, I'm like ready to give it to the world. You know, it'll be like the four agreements. It'll be super simple mm-hmm. and, and intuitive, and everybody'll take something. Like that's mm-hmm. that was who my father was. And I feel like I've lived enough life that I can get that book he wanted to write into the world. That's that's what I'm really – I, I want to do that.
1: Awesome. And I'm doing I, that. I want to yes, do it and I'm doing it. Very cool. Yes. In progress. I cannot wait to read it when it is, when it is in its completed form. Congrats on the upcoming weddings and all of these uh, beautiful moments of reflection of the things that you have and are continuing to accomplish. It's very – Very magical and inspiring um, to me and I'm sure to all of the listeners. Thank you so much for taking your time to share your insights, your massive amounts of wisdom around storytelling um, and just your good energy. Thank you so much, Carol, for being on today.
0: Thank you, Megan, for doing this and for inviting me. This was so
1: much fun. Thank you. Awesome. All right. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in for another episode of the I Hardly Know Her podcast podcast. If you guys want to tap into your storytelling, as you heard here, you have the options of checking out the monthly storytelling option masterclass with Carol. Um, it'll be in the show link or look in your show notes for that to register. And of course, you can check out some leadership communication tools with Improv Team Culture with myself and Jeanette. And if you're really getting an itch to get on stage, we've got some of our training for the Yes And Speaker Accelerator uh, coming out in a very in the very near future or actually probably by the time I'm saying this, it's probably available. So check it all out at improvteamculture.com and we will catch you on the next episode. Be well. Thanks for tuning in to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. For information about leadership workshops, public speaker training, and all things Kooky Megan, check out improvteamculture.com. We'll catch you next time.